Hello and welcome to another episode of To Be Perfectly Honest. As always, I'm your host, Corey, and today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 1, The Pilot, The One, The Only, The Thing That Started It All, Game of Thrones. So there's going to be a lot of people here probably joining us for the first time and maybe even some newbies into the Game of Thrones universe. Um, If you are one of them, feel free to listen. You will not have any spoilers. We will call out a section here in the middle of the podcast. That's going to be where we talk about everything in context, um, including everything up until this point. That way we can put it in perspective and get ready for the new season that's on its way out. Now, many of you are probably finding our podcast after listening to our last season's recap and our predictions, and you might notice, where is Anel? And that is because she's not on this episode. Unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties, but there are some parts of that podcast that I was able to save. Um, Unfortunately, we had some scheduling difficulties, so Anel couldn't be here to redo this one. I had to do it. So I'm going to put some uh, clips in whenever it is feasible, um, and then we will have her full time on the next episode, so episode two. So sit in, relax, um, enjoy a mishmash of episode clips, and let's talk Game of Thrones. I just want to take a minute and kind of see, tell you guys why we're doing this podcast. Um, You know, we were just going to go through and we're going to wait for the new season and explore a couple other new shows that piqued our interest, but Anel is a huge Game of Thrones head. I love Game of Thrones. And, you know, I talk to more and more people every day now. I don't know. Tell me if this is true for you, too, that love Game of Thrones because they're just getting into it. But they, like, miss the boat. They didn't watch it when it came out. And they feel all alone because they don't want to get spoiled. Um, Do you know anyone like that? Of course. My sister's one of them. Exactly. And I feel so horrible for these people because that is part of Game of Thrones is talking with everyone about it. So I looked around. And there's a couple podcasts, but they just didn't have the right flair or the je ne sais quoi that we do. Like we do. So I decided let's go ahead and do it. So Anel's on board. We're going to try to do this with the first season, see how it goes, see if you guys like it. Um, and at least this bides us some time while we wait for season eight to come out. But um, the format is basically going to go, we're going to act like we've never seen this before. We are going to watch it with fresh new eyes, talk about it, kind of go scene by scene and break it down. And then at the very end, we're going to say, okay, this is a spoiler section. And we're going to kind of go through it knowing what we know from season seven and see how that connects. Um, We're going to try to keep them a little bite-sized episodes, so not too long. Just something that you can kind of uh, wet your palate with. We can't make any promises, though. But who knows? They could be an hour and a half. (laughs) We'll just have to see how it goes. Yeah. Can I just add something, Corey? I think it's really important to have someone to watch the show with. Because I remember when I first watched it, um, I was in Hollywood in the Paramount Studios watching it. And I was like, I don't know or remember anyone's names. I don't know what's going on. And I need like a guide, some sort of brochure I can flip through to keep up with all these names. But I can assure you, if you're a new watcher, it's so worth it. You may call someone long beard, short beard, redhead, short guy, tall guy, scary guy. Whatever your nicknames may be, we'll we'll try to help you along in figuring out this wonderful world of Game of Thrones. Yeah, in that same vein, I would say too, like, don't worry about the names. Just watch it because some characters aren't going to matter. You're never going to see them again. And some <laughs> of them, well, stuff happens to them and you might not care anymore. Um, but that's kind of the whole thing. That's really great. Um, another thing too is the first season is very, follows along quite well with the book. So if you are you know, going to be reading the book as well. This is a great time to do it right before you see everything. Um, if you do wait, I did this myself. I've watched all of Game of Thrones currently and then started reading the books. And you already have this picture of everyone in your head. So um, when you kind of do it concurrently right when it's coming out, you kind of get to see what's different in the books, what's different on the show, but you don't have this concrete image of what the story should be yet. So that's kind of awesome. Um, but yeah. So without further ado, let's, let's get, into, get it. into it. One thing that you've probably heard about Game of Thrones is that it is a um, fantasy um, world. But the reason it draws so many people and it kind of crosses uh, lines of uh, people's preferences is because it's also very much a political drama. So you get a little action, 
you get a little fantasy, you get political drama. It's so worth it. None of those things are really my taste normally, but... Well, yeah, I was going to say, too, like, if you guys haven't listened to our, um, our podcast we did earlier, we come from completely different worlds. Like, we're friends... But our taste and stuff I is so different. Yeah, so Anel and I have completely different tastes in shows. Like, Anel likes, like, more like the Kardashians and reality TV and that kind of thing. I like, I love sci-fi. I love this kind of stuff. So, as soon as someone was like, sci-fi? Hmm. Perhaps maybe fantasy elements? Totally my thing. I like anime, even. Anel was like, He hey. likes David Lynch. Yeah, I like David Lynch too. So, I mean, shame, but whatever. Um, and now, not so much. But the show is so well done. The world that George R. R. Martin has built is so rich and so in depth. And the other thing too is like, this is very much is so well done that it also kind of makes you feel like it could have been an alternate history for Earth. That's yeah, where we discover a couple things later. So that's what I think draws a lot of people in. The political satire that's in here. We have fantasy we have the romance we have the war we have just the drama of it um it all really feeds in really really well together i agree with that Corey. i agree with that and there's so many details i mean this man is a genius he's paid attention to even the smallest details something that you don't see as being a big deal you know and one episode will tie into something that someone does you know, six seasons later or three books later. So as far as openings go, you can't get a better one than this. You zoom in and we see basically the wall. Um, It's a crazy phenomenon. It separates the North from everything else. And as a person that lives here in Alaska, I can tell you that it's actually pretty impressive even when you compare it to glaciers. So we know that there's something going on with this. It's definitely not just a natural phenomenon. Now, we see there's three writers, and right now we really don't know what's going on, but later in the episode, we do find out that they're part of what's called the Night's Watch. Oh, there's a kind of seniority to the group, and uh, out of the three, the, the top dog is Waymer Royce, and he's the guy that's all in black that kind of looks like Matt Damon if he had a, uh, a dark wig on. Now, all three of them are going out, but Will is basically going to be the one that is the scout and is going to come upon what we see next, which is a camp of wildlings. These are the people that are north of the wall, and they are decimated. They have been torn apart. Um, You know, Will and the other two are kind of going around here waiting for a wildling ambush, and instead they come across something even worse than the wildlings something that's torn them apart and then arranged their bodies into a weird symbol that we have no idea why they would do that. So Will, of course, runs away, goes back and finds his friends and says, oh my God, they've been decimated. We need to get out of here. This is creepy. And Sir Waymer is like, you know what? No, they're going to ask us what happened. We're not turning around. we got to figure out what's going on with this. And I think he pretty much doesn't even believe uh, Will. I'm not sure if they've gone and um, done a lot of these expeditions before, but he is definitely not believing this. So they want to see in person. So what happens? Well, they go there in person and all the bodies are gone. There is nothing. Even the little girl with the blue eyes is gone. Well, they decide to kind of split up and see where they went. Um, they kind of think at this point, I think Will's been drinking some uh, some hooey and uh, been lying to them. So they're kind of looking around and Garrett, uh, the other guy that's with them, finds a bunch of intestines that's buried by snow. And as he raises that up, he looks over and right behind Sir Waymer is a white walker. And this is the first time we're introduced to them. So these are pretty much humans but they've been zombified and they are very creepy and they're very fast and they have weapons that pretty much can behead anybody in an instant. Um, We zoom back and we see Will and he's off on his own and he hears screaming he's like oh god what's happening and he looks over and there's that same girl that was hung up on that tree she's walking and she turns around and oh that little girl is now a monster and uh we kind of zoom off and that's our opening for the first episode of game of thrones 
Of course, after that, we're going to see the iconic opening um, title, which is great. It gives you a lot of perspective on um, really where we are and what's going on and how these things relate. It is very easy to go, oh, well, how far away is that? And, uh, oh, this is just taking place right here. And you realize, oh, no, this is taking place across a very, very, very extreme landscape. Um, as we'll see later in the episode, we're going to visit a lot of places. But this map opening is awesome because it also shows us kind of the houses that they are involved with. Not to mention this, the graphic is awesome. You know, you have the four houses battling against each other. You have Lannister, Stark, Baratheon, and Targaryen, each represented by their house sigil. So we have Targaryen, we have the dragon, Stark, the dire wolf, Baratheon, the stag, and Lannister, the lion. Now, I'd like to talk about kind of that opening and how it fits into everything. Now, if we kind of go back a little bit and see what was going on when this first came out, um, of course, everyone nowadays knows Game of Thrones is a huge hit. And if you haven't watched it and this is your first time, you've probably had people spoil lots of stuff for you, talk about it constantly, urging you to get into it. And thank God you're finally taking the chance to get into it now. But um, it wasn't always the case. It was kind of a little known thing when it first aired. And it did take a couple episodes for it to catch on to be the phenomenon that it did. Now, if you have ever listened to one of our other podcasts, you'll know that Anel, uh, my co-host, actually went down to the premiere of it and saw it in person. And what an experience that was for her. But at the time, she didn't know it was going to be a big deal. In fact, she didn't even know if she was going to like it. Now, George R.R. R. Martin was a huge hit. Um, that's the reason that these books became a series is because they were widely popular. But the first pilot actually isn't what you're watching right now. In fact, it was actually redone because it wasn't received well the first time. This is a very complicated story to tell, and there's a lot of exposition, there's a lot of moving parts, and there's a lot of characters. So it's very hard for someone to get invested in. And as we all know, pilots make or break things. Um, if you get into a series and you don't like the pilot, it can just leave a bad taste in your mouth and you never go back to it, especially in the era of Netflix binging. So HBO, um, they reshot the pilot. They completely redid it. There are a couple scenes that are still here from the original, but other than that, it is pretty much completely revolutionized. Um, when the producer and writer of the, the television show went and they pitched their pilot, the, the overwhelming uh, majority of people said too much exposition and no one's going to like it. No one's going to get into it. So they went in, they reshot it, and this is what we got. And I think this is an amazing pilot um, for what it is. There are a couple issues I have with it um, as someone who wants to get more people into Game of Thrones. But overall, majority, I think it's an amazing start. And it's always great when you go on the journey of rewatching Game of Thrones to start here. It just gets you ramped up and motivated. Now, we kind of go from this wintry, north of the wall what's lurking beyond, what's coming, supernatural vibe. Then we jump into the North, just the regular North, and we get introduced to the Stark family. And we're introduced to a family, um, and their motto is winter is coming. However, if I had to give them a family motto, it would probably be family and honor, because that's what we really see is important to them. Now we're introduced to Ned, who is really the patriarch of the family, and I think he is the one who most embodies that, that motto that I've created for them, family and honor, and the reason for that is Ned cares about nothing else more than honor and his family. In fact, we're introduced to all of his family in the scene, and we get a good little snippet of how they live a very humble life, but a very honorable life. Um, so we have Ned, and then his wife, Catelyn, um, and then they have a bunch of sons and two daughters. Um, the two daughters, we have Arya Stark, who's like the 11-year-old little Tom girl, who's really good at archery, wants to be one of the boys, but she's not very good about doing any of the girl things. And then we have, who's supposed to be a 13-year-old, uh, Sansa Stark, and she's the, the beautiful redhead, and all she wants to do is be a, a proper lady just like her mother and go off and marry a prince or the king in this case. 
Um, and then we have all the boys. So we have, um, you know, Rob, who is the oldest. And then we have Jon Snow. Now, Jon Snow is actually not Catelyn's. All we know is that he is Ned's son, but we don't know who his mother is. And it is a little bit of a controversy because, as we know, Ned is a very honorable man. And so for him to have gone off to battle and fathered a bastard is quite the controversy. Um, then we have the younger... Bran, who is the one who is playing target practice, and he just kind of wants to be just like his dad. He's an adventurer. He likes to climb, but he just doesn't have the skills quite yet. He can't even hit a target with a bow and arrow. And then we have the youngest of the actual Stark children, and that would be Rick and Stark, and he's six years old. Um, he's just a little babe, and he just wants to be like all of his family. Then we have um, kind of another person that's loosely um, involved in the family you would consider them kind of one of the boys but at the same time he's not fathered by anyone in the Stark household in fact he is a ward and his name is Theon Greyjoy so Theon um, the long story is basically he was off in the Iron Islands he was to be a prince and they decided to get into a battle with the Starks and as a result of that the Starks took um, Theon as a ward, and they're kind of raising him. So, not the best of situations, but they have tried their best to make a honorable man out of Theon, even though his family isn't the most honorable of sorts. Now, right when we're getting introduced to kind of the dynamic of the family and how Ned and Catelyn love each other, uh, we have some news. We have a writer that comes and says that they've spotted a defactor from the Wall, and that he needs to be executed because essentially that's a, being a traitor. If you are up north at the wall and you're part of the Night's Watch, you have sworn to never leave your duty, never to leave your men, and part of the north and part of the responsibility that Ned has is enforcing that law um, because the north and the wall are tied very intimately together. So Ned knows what he has to do. He says, gather everybody, and he says, you know what? Bring Bran. So we see uh, the gentleman, the only one who escapes from going north past the wall. And like we said before, for those of you new to the show, the wall is basically this creation that keeps um, separate the north, the, the lands of always winter from what is typically called the north. It's a separation, a divide. And there are people that live north of the north on the northern side of the wall that are called wildlings and as Corey was saying the um the what are they called wildlings <laughs> no the brothers from the black the black brothers that's what the black brothers the black brothers <laughs> <laughs> and like Corey was saying uh the men of the night's watch are the protectors of the wall and the protectors of the men in the realm on the other side of the wall and so when this guy comes running back from the wall into Winterfell, um, it is a big deal because these men have been sworn to uh, serve the wall and protect them. And so uh, when Ned Stark sees that or finds that there's a deserter, it is a big deal. So we get into north of the wall and we see that not, not only, if you didn't guess it, it was Will, our deserter. He got freaked out by all those uh, White Walkers, and instead of warning his brothers, he was a coward, and he ran straight south. And that took him right through Winterfell. So they have caught him. Um, he's kind of spouting crazy nonsense, in their opinion. Of course, we know he is actually telling the truth. And he looks like he's had a rough time of it, um, but he does realize, oh, I know what's happening. I'm going to be executed. And he admits to being a coward. He does, uh, you know, tell Ned what's going on. And he requests him to tell his family to warn them. And with that, off with his head. Now, Bran doesn't close his eyes. And he has a couple questions for Ned. Um, and Ned has a couple questions for him. And they're talking. And Bran basically says, well, was he lying? And... Ned basically says, well, I mean, a crazy man sees what he sees. But, yeah, of course, he's he doesn't know what's going on. There's no such thing as White Walkers, yada, yada, yada. 
Um, and then we are on the way back to Winterfell and we come across something that is kind of crazy. Now this scene actually was what George R.R. R. Martin first dreamt of, um, or one, was one of the first things that he had an idea for Game of Thrones, was this dream of a stag and a direwolf and them basically battling to the death. And that has made it into um, the first pilot episode. So we see that there's a mother direwolf and a giant stag, and the stag has broken its antler off into the jugular of the direwolf. But there are five puppies. Actually, we find out there's six. But um, Ned wants to kill them. And, of course, Jon Snow, uh, being the honorable you know bastard that he is, says hey, there's one of these pups for every one of your kids that are legitimate. You need to keep them. And if you don't, it's going to be a bad omen because this is the sigil of your house. Um, this is just reinforcing again that this is the sigil of this house. Of course, the stag, that is the symbol of the Baratheons. Perhaps maybe a little bit of foreshadowing there. But Knight agrees. He says, you know what, you're going to feed them, you're going to do everything, and if they die, you're going to bury them themselves. So he... He has them grab them all up, and we see that Theon is way too anxious to slit those puppies' throats. And that's kind of a character moment of, okay, uh, this kid is way too happy to kill things. However, right before they leave, we see that Jon Snow finds his own pup. He has one who he will eventually call Ghost, and it is a little albino um, runt of the litter with some really, really red eyes. Now, something to remember here, this is not a common day occurrence. In this world where um, Game of Thrones takes place, um, here in Winterfell, there is never a direwolf. It's kind of like a legendary beast. It is not something that you would be like, this is my sigil because it's common ground here. This is weird. Um, climate change is real. Things are happening. And the direwolves are coming south of the wall. We're here and. um we have Cersei and Jamie, and they're here at the ceremony for John Aaron's death and John Aaron's the hand of the king. And through their conversation, we find out that John Aaron knew something, and they were worried about him telling someone. And who, who could he tell? You know, it doesn't matter because my husband's the king, and if he found out, we both have our heads chopped off. So we know it's not something, it's something horrible. Um, and basically, Jamie says, well, you know what? Whatever he knew, it died with him. And your your husband's not going to... No, he's not going to care because all he cares about is going fucking whores and killing boars. Yeah. And so even though we haven't seen the king, we kind of already know. Oh, okay. This is what he him. likes to do, like most kings. Yeah. And we have some character development on Jamie, how she talks about how brave he's been and how he's always brave and... Um, definitely just get to know the queen and her twin brother. And then we cut scene and we're back in Winterfell and Catelyn just receives a message from a raven. So she goes to the weirwood tree where her husband's sitting and he is polishing his sword. And she kind of mentions that, you know, as many times as she's been there, she always feels like an outsider. And that's because Starks have always been in the North and, um, she's a Tully, but she's married into the Starks. And so she just kind of makes mention of that. But she also comes with some news. So she's telling her husband, Ned, about um, the fact that John Aaron's passed. And John Aaron to Ned is kind of like a father figure. I mean, they fought together in Robert's Rebellion. And that's uh, basically... Kind of a father figure to him, correct? Yeah. yeah. And, Another uh, thing, too, is he's married to Catelyn's sister, so it's yeah. literally family. Exactly. So he would be like an uncle to all the start. So she comes and says, you know, hey, unfortunately he's dead, but it looks like the king is on the road. He's coming here. He's going to ask you to be handed the king. And this is a big hoopla because, yeah, you're friends with the king, but you haven't seen him in like 10 years. We got to get all the nice candles. We got to get all those boys shaved up nice and fine. We yeah, got well, it's a big it's a big deal for the king, you know, to come to um, this little piss hole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. So gratuitous 
hot bod scene of the boys getting ready. So how old are these boys? Just like 12 that I'm Googling? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're supposed Googling. to be 12. <laughs> yeah. So we see kind of off in the hills that we have the procession of the king kind of coming. And we have Bran, who is up on the tallest tower looking at them coming, letting everyone else know. And we see how quick he is on his feet. So this is where we see, like, he's super athletic. He's, like, into parkour. Yeah. Important to note, too, the uh, King's Road is the road from King's Landing to Winterfell. And it takes about a month for them to make it all the way from uh, King's Landing to Winterfell. And you see... Um, when they come, you get to see the direwolves, and they are huge. It's just been a month, and those things are like regular full-fledged dogs. Yeah, but exactly. direwolves get big. I mean, those animals get big like lions. So I mean, they're just growing like yeah. growing boys. Um, one thing I will say too, this is another helpful tip. I think when you first starting the show, we have things move very very fast, and it would not be interesting storytelling to see every minute detail for those months that have passed. So we skip a lot of times, but you have to pick up on the clues. You can take a look at how old the kids are looking. You can take a look at how old the animals are, how the season starts to change. These are kind of things that you can pick up on. Um, Sometimes there's little bits of conversation. You can't always just assume just because this was a scene right after that, that it's literally right after that. Sometimes it's months. Yeah, definitely. So we have everyone kind of lines up and the, the king and queen ride by and they present their kids. So um, they're basically three, do- three daughters. There's three children of the king and queen. We have the princess Marcella. We have Prince Joffrey. And we have Prince... Tommen. Tommen. So they all line up. So they come in. They have the pleasantries. One of the first things that we hear is that... Ned, you got fat. And he did, <laughs> and, but not as fat as uh, the king did. Um, another thing we find out is that basically the king really was in love with Ned's sister, Lyanna. Um, and the first thing he wants to do is go down to the crypts and see her. Now, Cersei is like, we've been writing for months. Like, can't we just go and relax? Let's go and get something to drink. I want to get out of this carriage. I don't want to go look at the dead people. And Robert's like, don't even talk to me. We're going to go and do this. So Ned, being the honorable person he is, is like, okay, let's go down and and do that. Now, when we're down here, we have a little bit of history to unpack in order to understand this. And you don't really get this in the first episode, but um, it is subtly there. And you do learn a little bit more about it a little bit later. But I think, especially if you're watching this for the first time, this is a great place to unpack it. That way you kind of understand a little bit more about what's going on here and why this isn't so important. Now, the last time that Robert and Ned saw each other, this was during the start of what is called Robert's Rebellion. And this is where the Baratheons took over the seat of power of all the Seven Kingdoms, and they did that from uh, Targaryen. Now, the Targaryens had ruled for a while, um, and this one in particular was named the Mad King, or Ares II. And he was a Targaryen ruler who basically lost his mind, and he started um, ruling more of a dictator, and people didn't like that, and essentially things went to shit. Um, so Robert decided he was going to go and, uh, take things into his own hands. Now, really what the prompt was for this is Lyanna Stark, so this is Ned's sister, um, was taken captive, um, by the Targaryens. And in order to go and get them, uh, Robert and Ned and, uh, a handful of other people raised this rebellion, um, went and kicked some butt. Now, um, it helped that the Mad King was already really disliked by a lot of his um, people that were in positions of power in his kingdom. And in fact, we have Jamie Lannister who ended up stabbing him in the back right before everyone came over. Now, there were a lot of battles that happened before that. And in fact, we find that Lyanna Stark was actually killed before Ned and Robert were able to get to her. So this is very bittersweet. We have Robert, who was in love with uh, uh, Lyanna, and that's the whole reason he fought this war, and that's the whole reason why he's king. 
and we have Ned now being asked by Robert to help him in his time of need uh, to become a hand of the king. And, you know, this is this is all coming together because, you know, Robert helped Ned when his sister, um, you know, was kidnapped. And now he's going to help him. Um, he also wants to find out what's going on with John Aaron because John Aaron was basically like a father to both of them um, and was also involved with this rebellion. So we have this kind of interesting complex backstory that really gets boiled down into one scene. And I think this is probably where if you did watch the original pilot, that was probably the heavy part of it is setting up this whole background. Um, if you've read the books, you have plenty of it. Um, and if you watch this um, entire, you know, series itself already um, and going back and watching it, then you you already know there's there's several things in here that is just like, oh my God, the story. But as a first time watcher, um, you're really going to miss this and kind of gleam over it. So I just want to draw attention to that. Basically, you got these three guys, John Aaron, Rob, Ned, they went, they took over the kingdom. It's what made Robert king of the Seven Kingdoms. And in turn, unfortunately, Ned's sister, Liana, died. Now, of course, Robert blames only one thing on the death of Liana, and that is the Targaryens. And he has made it his life's purpose to exterminate every one of these people. And pretty much he's completely succeeded, except for there are two Targaryens left. Now... The Mad King had three, uh, three children, and one of them was killed in uh, this rebellion. He was the one that was basically of age. And then there is uh, Daenerys, who is the blonde beauty that we see, um, and her brother, Viserys. Now, Viserys, we see he's grown up going basically town to town with his, his sister, trying to save their lives. And all he's ever wanted, all he dreams about at night is going back to the Seven Kingdoms and grabbing his rightful place on the throne. Now, he's definitely a little naive, but he does have uh, these dreams of grandeur that look like they're coming to fruition at the perfect time as he has teamed up with um, this magister named Illyrio, and they plan to marry off Daenerys in order to get an army and help him win back his throne. Now we find out that we're across the Narrow Sea, and this is where, if you were paying attention to the, the map that we saw in the introduction animation, um, you'll realize, oh wow, we are actually quite a bit of ways away. Um, we're actually on a completely different continent, and... Now, the one that we were just on, where we were up at um, King's Landing and where we were at Winterfell and the Wall, that continent is essentially called Westeros. It is on the west side of this um, plant planet or planetos. And on the right side, um, the east side, we have Essos. Um, and this is kind of like an Asian continent. Um, we have a lot more of a kind of tropical desert grasslandy area and it's very wide and expansive um, and we're right across the narrow sea and we're in a place called pentos now the people here are um, very different and every town every country is really a different kind of people and it's very varied um, we have a lot of trade going on but there is a kind of population of people that are kind of the power hold of the area and they're almost non-controllable and they're they, they're looked at almost like barbarians and these are the Dothraki um, and these are the people that Viserys is going to marry off uh, Daenerys to and this is in order for him to get this army now you might think eh, these people they have a couple horses what's the big deal this is actually the biggest powerfulest nation in this entire country because they have no masters, they have no homelands, they're nomadic, and they're basically just a large um, horde of horses and people, and they go around and they take slaves, and when the horde comes knocking at your city, you know that either you're paying them to move on or the end is near. So this is actually a pretty viable opportunity. This is as close as Viserys has ever gotten to getting his wishes, and we have Master Illyrio, who is helping him out. Of course, we have Danny, who is basically just a little girl, and she doesn't want to have anything to do with this. She doesn't want to marry anybody. She just wants to go home. 
but unfortunately she was born in the Game of Thrones universe, and so um, she has things a little bit more rough than that. Also, we get a little bit of an insight into the relationship between the two of them, um, brother and sister. Now, it is traditional in a Targaryen household for them to incestually marry and have children. Um, and it looks like we might have hints of the same thing happening. Um, Viserys is way too interested in her boobies, and she is definitely creeped the hell out. In fact, she's so creeped out that she gets in a extremely hot shower or bath rather, and uh, almost would boil her skin off. All, this, all the, the servants are like, oh my God, don't get in there. You can't get in there, it's too hot. And she's fine with it because she's like, ugh, I just want to burn off the grossness of my brother. Now, when she's all ready, she is marched before a couple members of the Dothraki. And we have um, the leader of this horde, and his name is Khal Drogo. Um, Khal being kind of the title of king, and his name Drogo. And he's never lost a battle. He has one of the longest braids. And he doesn't even say anything. He just basically looks at her like merchandise, goes away, and Master Illyria goes, oh, he likes you, otherwise we'd know. Now, we cut back, and we are back into Winterfell. And here we have basically a feast of feasts. Um, probably a party like this has never been had in the North for quite a long time. And uh, it probably happens all the time in King's Landing because that's what King Robert likes to do is get drunk and uh, make out with some wenches and uh, have a good time all in front of his wife. But they're basically celebrating the fact that, yes, Robert and Ned are going to go into a partnership. Ned is going to be a hand of the king. And this is a big celebration before he leaves. Okay. So then we cut scene um, to Sansa and Catelyn and another character building moment for Sansa. She's expressing to her mother, Catelyn, that, you know, how much she wants to be a lady. And, um, you know, she thinks Joffrey's so cute. And please, 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 mom, I'm begging you to tell to to make father say yes to her getting to marry Joffrey. And uh, from there, we go to a scene with um, Benjen and John. And Benjen is John's uncle and... Uh, one of the Stark brothers, Ned's brother. And he has actually, uh, he is actually one of the men of the Night's Watch. We can tell this too, even if we didn't hear it, because he's all in black. So what they say is when you go and you become part of the Night's Watch, you, you take, take the, the black. black. Yeah. And once you take the black, you don't go back. You don't go back, baby. Woo! And so anyway, Benjamin's kind of asking John, you know, why are you out here? And, um, he says, you know, Lady Stark thought, you know, it might be an insult to royal to the royal family to have a bastard at the feast. So another character building moment for Lady Stark's hatred of uh, John. And then John expresses to his uncle, Benjen, that he wants to go to the wall. He wants to be part of the Night's Watch. And Benjen, you know, kind of lets him carry on, but says, you know, you might not. You might not want that if you knew what you'd be giving up. And then he proceeds to go back into the feast. Well, then Tyrion Lannister, and he is the man of the shorter stature. The imp. Um, Cersei, the queen, and Jaime, her twin brother's younger brother, Tyrion. And he kind of has a conversation with Jon and... Uh, he tells John, you know, never forget what you are, meaning a bastard. You and John takes offense to that. And uh, Tyrion counters back and says, you know, dwarves are always bastards in the eyes of their father. So he is essentially acknowledging to John, hey, I know what it is to be in your shoes. And don't take that as uh, don't take that as disrespect. It's just like, I know where you're coming from. So back inside the party, uh, Ned has a conversation with Benjen about the boy that they beheaded. And Ned asks uh, about him. And uh, he tells Benjen that the boy was talking crazy and said that he saw uh, a White Walker and that that White Walker slaughtered his friends. And Benjen says, you know, he was a tough lad. 
But uh, Ned believes that he may have been in a wildling ambush. And uh, Pynchon says, you know, it's a possibility. But um, with direwolf south, he kind of makes it into a joke, Pynchon does. With direwolf south of the wall and my brother being the new hand of the king, you know winter's coming. And then they do that cliche. Winter's coming. Winter's coming. It's kind of like the saying of the North. It's the title of the episode. And it's the title of the episode. So we flash back over to Pentos and we have an actual wedding ceremony. So we have Carl Drago, who's on the left. Um, He is the horse rider of the Dothraki. And then we have Daenerys. And basically everyone's coming and giving them gifts for their marriage because that's kind of the the Dothraki way. There's a big kind of orgy in the middle with all the Dothraki. There's a big feast. Um, And then... Basically, people come from far and wide to give tribute and give gifts. So there's a bunch of interesting gifts. There's a lot of uh, sex going on, naked dancing. It said, well, at the wedding, you see these two um, Dothrakis get into a fight. And uh, this is at a wedding that this is appropriate uh, happenings where someone gets their innards uh, torn out and then their braid cut off. And uh, Lirio definitely mentions that oh it's said to be a boring affair unless there are at least three deaths at a dothraki wedding and you see danny is totally off put by this she is freaked out she's not vibing with this she's not into it she doesn't want to see people killed she's a lover not a fighter now there's a couple things that are interesting in this scene uh, besides all the crazy uh sexy dancing going on um, we see that uh, Illyrio and Viserys are sitting talking to each other and they're talking about how long is this going to take and you can kind of see that Viserys is very not patient at all. He doesn't really know his place. He's very much a prince even though he's really been just a beggar for the last couple of years. Um, and we see Daenerys is scared out of her mind. She's like, what is going on? These people are crazy. Um, I am pretty much a child. What am I doing getting married? Um, but she is introduced to someone. So we have a person that comes up and gives her a gift of books. And this person is actually from the same place and served her king before all of this crazy Robert's Rebellion went down. And his name is Jorah Mormont. Now, um, he, for whatever reason, is not on the continent of Westeros. He's on Essos, and he is uh, basically lending his hand. He's giving his services and promising them to the rightful king, who will eventually be Viserys. Um, As well as those gifts, we have a bunch of weird snakes. I don't know why anyone would want a bunch of snakes, but we have a gift of dragon eggs, and those are from Illyrio himself. And he says that these three dragon eggs are fossilized, but they are from the land of Ashai, and that they are very beautiful, but that they're fossilized. But they are the symbol of her uh, namesake, and she should treat them well. With that, there is one more gift, and that is from the call himself. It is a beautiful white stallion. But with that, he uh, has a great moment where Daenerys is like, oh, it's so beautiful. I want to say thank you. What's the Dothraki word for saying thank you? And Jorah, who is already part of the group now, uh, basically says, oh, in Dothraki, we don't say thank you. There is no word for it. And that's when she's like, oh, my God, what have I gotten into? She jumps on that horse. She rides off and she's about to get ridden. Now, we have one of the scenes that is probably one of the most controversial in Game of Thrones to start off with. If you haven't heard anything about Game of Thrones, um, besides a little bit of tidbits, you've probably heard of White Walkers, Jon Snow, and you've heard of Daenerys gets raped in the beginning. Um, Essentially, she's a child bride. Um, She is in a situation where she doesn't even able to speak the language we have this moment where Khal Drogo basically just says no 10,000 times while he undresses her um, and has some pretty rough sex with her now you should be reminded that in the book she's very young I want to say she's like 13 or 14 so thankfully they cast her a little bit older so it's not as horrible in our eyes but at the same time she is deathly afraid 
she has basically been sold like property and she is at the very bottom of someone in power. And it's kind of crazy um, that someone would be willing to do this to their own sister just for a little bit of power and a chance to get back the kingdom. However, like we've already heard, uh, Viserys basically says, you know what, I would let not only the call screw you, I let all of his men screw you, I'd even let his horses screw you because all I want is that throne. And unfortunately, Daenerys has to pay the price. Me? Um, okay, so after Danny gets taken from behind, we come back to Winterfell and we have... Um, Tyrion. And the Hound. So one thing we noticed about the Hound that we... I don't know if we really saw before too much, but he has basically half of his face is burned. So yes, he came in, he had a helmet on with a dog, basically, face. So, oh, the Hound. But for now on, you know it's the Hound because his face is real ugly. He got half his face burned off. Um, what Does are they saying more he's going... later on? I, mean, it's, I feel like... It grew back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the first episode, so... Everybody's different. So we're back in Winterfell, and we have the Hound and Tyrion kind of having a conversation. Um, we have kind of these two misfits. Um, they're kind of like, oh, this place. Um, everyone decides they're going to go hunt a boar. Now, we know this is one of... Um, Robert's favorite. Why do I always want to call him something else? Because there's Rob. Rob. And there's Rob. Rob. Um, one of King Robert's basically favorite pastime is having sex with whores, um, and then killing boars. And because those things rhyme, that's why he likes them, I guess. Um, Do you think that Rob was named after Robert? Probably. Yeah, that's gross. Because they were named, like, they just, he got just done with the battle. Oh, Rob. 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 Oh, Rob. Rob. Um, So everyone's basically taken off. Um, They're going to do the sport hunt. And who is left behind? Well, Brand. It's everybody that's not really into the boar hunt and Bran, because he's a little kid. And so he decides to do some parkour, which is typical. Yeah, Bran he's going to climb to the top of that tower. And I think this is actually the broken tower in the book. They they talk quite a bit about it. So the footing is kind of bad. It's a kind of a broken tower. And I think in the book they even say this is the oldest tower in all of Winterfell. Now that's so, not going to be the only thing that's broken in a few moments. Yeah, so he gets <laughs> to the top and he's like, oh, what's that? And What's his dire that? wolf is literally like, don't yeah. go. Don't do it. It's not a good idea. You should always bring a towel. <laughs> so he goes up um, and he peeks over and, yep, he sees the brother and sister having sex. So Brother and sister being Cersei, the queen, and her brother, Jamie, who is her twin brother. Yeah, they're twin brothers. Oh, and also, um, I don't know if I said this, but... Um, speaking of getting bent over like a horse, she's also getting bent over like a horse. Um, Bran is like, ooh, sex? Because he's 10. Um, and we see kind of a passionate, like, romp with these two. And Not she kind of gets you up. you want to see at 10. No. Um, Cersei kind of gets her, when she's getting her, like, boob squeeze. she's like, oh, there's a little boy looking at us. Weird. Um, so she's like, deal with him. So he goes over, grabs him, and he's like, are you completely mad? And blah, blah, blah. And... Well, Cersei's totally freaked out that it's, you know, that her secret's going to get out. Because she's the queen, and what would it mean if if this little boy of ten went and told the most honorable man in all the land, his dad, oh, guess what? Um, the queen, who is married to your best friend, was having sex with her brother in the tower. So it looks like they're going to deal with him and figure out what, you know, if they're going to talk to him. And Jamie just looks at his sister and says, the things I do for love, and then pushes the little boy out the window. Ah, and that is how we end the first episode of Game of Thrones. Wild. So this is very, very, very signature of what we can expect. We have a lot of buildup, a lot of plot, and... Right towards the end, we have something crazy happen. And it just leaves you like, what in the hell? And back when these were coming out, this was torture. Because you had to wait an entire week. Depending on the episode, if it was between seasons, you have to wait an entire year. So just be thankful you have them all now and you can binge them for your viewing pleasure. That's all I have to say. You don't know how lucky you are. Super Um, lucky. 
but yeah, so overall, now, what did you think about the whole episode? I This is a really great episode, going back to see it. Um, I really loved it. I thought it was done really well. It's interesting going back and seeing it, though. Kind of a couple things that do change later on that we see kind of right away. That's because this is essentially a pilot, but because it's on HBO, it's mm-hmm. not really a pilot. Um, what did you think? Um, the first time that I saw this, you know, I knew it wasn't my cup of tea, but I had kind of won a competition and the winner of this competition got sent to Hollywood to watch the premiere of Game of Thrones. And back then I had no idea what Game of Thrones was. I had a friend who had read the books and she was kind of telling me a little bit about it. And I was like, Oh, it's not really my thing, but whatever vacation's my thing. And so my boyfriend and I got to go to the premiere together And afterwards, we got to go to this dinner that was kind of set up like you're in King's Landing at a feast. Um, There was a girl on a white horse who was supposed to be Daenerys. And I mean, it was really cool. So the whole experience was a little bit different for me. But, you know, I wasn't 100% convinced after the first episode that, I mean, I I wanted to know what happened to the little boy at the end, but I... I wasn't sold. And there's a lot in this first episode that happens that makes you feel like, am I missing something? Is this something that I can follow? You know, but don't worry. You're supposed to be right there because there is a lot of information. I mean, even after, you know, seven seasons in, when I watch these old episodes, I get something from them that I'm like, holy crap, there's so many details. Yeah, I think that's one thing that really helps about having a podcast or having friends you can talk to about it because it is so much information. I can tell you just preparing for this podcast, every time I go to go, who is this in my brain? I have to like run through a list of names because there's so many. And that's the thing is there are going to be a lot of people in this, but there's some main favorites that you have. And this first episode is chock full of a lot of them. A lot of these people are going to be main characters. A couple of them. Not so much, but a lot of these, they'll stick with you. Yeah, and just stick with the show. Even if you feel like it's not for you. I mean, there's so much character building in this episode. You don't get a whole lot of progress forward into the story, but just just trust this story will be so worth it. And like we said, there's a little bit for everybody. So if you like a certain aspect of this, hold on to that because there's going to be more of it. Oh, yeah. So... I hope you guys enjoyed our season one, episode one breakdown. Um, Please let us know if there's things that uh, you had additional questions about or things that you want us to expand on. I know we probably didn't cover it all. Corey, did you have anything to add before we wrap it up? Not really. You know, this one is pretty, I felt like put a nice little, okay, here's the first one. What do you think? I have a lot of questions so far, but I know they're coming. This is just a little taste of it. Um, But yeah, I think this is a good way to start it off. Um, We look forward to having your guys' questions. If you guys had any feedback, anything you missed, um, if you're a person who's rewatching it with us, you've already seen the entire episode, or sorry, entire season up to season seven, and you have a question about anything or anything that we've missed, send us an email at tobeperfectlyhonestpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to our website at tobeperfectlyhonestpodcast.com. With that, we're going to wrap this part up. If you guys want to listen to a couple spoilers, if you've already watched all of them, stay tuned after this for that part. But as always, I'm Corey. I'm Anel. And be perfectly honest. Okay, so this is the spoiler section. So this is the part where we take off our pretend hats, where we act like we've never seen uh, any of the show, and we put back on our, oh my god, uh, we've seen every single episode and we're waiting for season eight to come out um, hat. So, with that being said... If you have not seen anything else besides episode one... Turn around. (laughs) (laughs) Mayday, mayday, go back. Go back to the wall. Yeah, um... Read some books. If you want to spell yourself, do it that way.
Yeah, do not. Don't get, do it this way. <laughs> don't let a Corian <laughs> spoil it for you because you'll be like. So then, like this crazy stuff happens, and so, and now, Tyrion. I, Tyrion, oh my God, his hair, right? his no beard, oh my God. I like, I like old Tyrion. I like. Maturity. I was just, I was telling you this before, but I think we're going to probably edit that part out. But holy crapola, I did not, when he first got his beard, I was like, oh, that grosses me. When he got out of that box, I was like, yeah, Tyrion, <laughs> I can tell you've been putting poop through a hole. <laughs> <laughs> Nasty. Oh my God. I love it so much better. Like, yeah. I really need to see that stark contrast. I think maybe part of it, too, is that blonde hair. But, yeah, crazy difference for him. Also, just seeing all of our little baby Starks. Oh, my God. It's Sansa. Like, it's like your high school yearbook. at Senior pictures compared to, like, your freshman picture. Yeah, it's nuts. So, um, seeing Catelyn again. Mm, oh, I miss I her. say that. Ned annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> Still, I'm like, God, so honorable. Um, Jon Snow with short hair. I mean, shortish hair. Oh, yeah. Hair. This is prior to brooding. He's just, he must have developed that at some point in the seasons. Right. Uh, Non-brooding, just like bobblehead. I'm a right. um, Yeah, we see Benjen a little bit. That's like, <laughs> we saw him here. <laughs> we saw him two times after that. Yeah. <laughs> Critical and moments. Was it bad that I was like, Benjen was in the first episode? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so funny. Um. So let's talk about kind of the symbology of a couple different things really quick. So whatever or symbolism that we see in a couple of these things that I think is really important. So first thing that pisses me off to this day that we still don't know, that symbol in the woods. What is that with the bodies? We see this a couple other times. We see this when we go up north um, and we see basically all of the patterns that the, the children of men um, up by the, the, the great tree. What What is that called? I guess it's essentially. Called, um, well, the artist formerly known as Prince. Oh, yeah. That symbol. Okay. <laughs> it all makes sense. Um, so that symbol, that still just weirds me out. Another thing that we didn't really talk about... I. It's hard to do it after the podcast because we already talked about a lot of this stuff. But those White Walkers look so janky. They yeah, are not they scary totally at all different. now. I know when I first watched it, um, it, I was like, are they, what, what color are, are they? they? Are they yeah. white? Are they black? <laughs> like they looked like black or grayish. Mm-hmm. And then they were called the White Walkers. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Well, and I was also confused always too thinking back on it like i didn't really get i guess it's like a no duh like obviously they can control the dead people but like they're like old men <laughs> so i was always kind of like oh that's not very scary like mm-hmm. um and the blue eyes look just so over the top with those that crappy makeup job. I mean, this is the first season. So, I mm-hmm. mean, it's forgiven. And it was back in the day. They didn't have very good CGI or, you know, they were just like, eh, we'll see if we can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, the wall was really cool, right? Wall off the bat. looked really good right off the bat, for sure. Um, another thing that looked actually kind of crappy was the weirwood tree. <laughs> it was like, what is this made out of paper mache? Like, <laughs> maybe this is because I'm watching on 4K TV now, but uh, not up to par. Um, mm. Although that reflection pool looks stunning i love it okay um okay so this is the big one um we basically have our dire wolf and we have our stag so do you want to talk about the symbology that you kind of picked up on that we were talking about earlier oh yeah so when they are coming back from beheading the uh deserter from the wall they come across a stag that's been killed or mauled um on their path back home so uh we all know that um Baratheons are represented by a stag and Theon makes the um, assumption. He's like, oh, do you think uh, that it was killed by a mountain lion? And Ned kind of says, you know, like, well, mountain lions don't travel this far. And they go um, beyond and they see a direwolf. So direwolves symbolically are the Starks. And he pulls out the stag's horn, which killed the direwolf. So we see basically a lion or he can't figure out what it is but they kind of assume it's a lion that kills the stag the stag kills the uh direwolf so lannister baratheon 
Stark. Yep, definitely. Yeah, kind of a very foreshadowy kind of thing. Um, symbolism is pretty crazy. And then, you know, that part where the dragon comes in too right there is pretty nuts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that was really crazy. I'm trying to think of what else. Um, I was really kind of impressed with um, when we look at King's Landing, how good that looks. That CGI was actually pretty good for that part, I thought. Yeah, I liked how they introduced the kingdoms. You um, is this? No, maybe I'm like real smoking crack because now I cannot remember anything. But is this the only episode where we have like introductions to cities? Mm. Do we I, do that again? I think, I think we do we in do the free again. cities, right? I think each time a city's introduced for the first time, they kind of have them labeled. Okay. Um, but um, they don't do that forever, obviously. They stop the first time after, right? Yeah. Um, so that was kind of interesting to see, like, Winterfell. Just like, oh, Winterfell. There you go. Oh, King's Landing. Capital of the seven cities of Westeros. But you kind of need that. Like, I remember oh initially God, watching so it and bad. being like, okay, where is this? Um... What did you think of Danny this time around? I must say, when I first watched it, I thought it was, I was like, I don't, I don't care. Who is this? Like, <laughs> you know, I really didn't get, because at this point, we don't know anything about Targaryens, really. Uh-huh. We don't really know dragons are a thing. So you see these dragons and you're like, so what? This stupid fucking dragon's like. Uh-huh. Okay. I like Danny instantly because I kind of root for the underdog and her brother was just such a oh super creepy oh this chick's guy i'm not saying i didn't like her i'm just saying the the plot point i was kind of more like okay enough of this i want to get back to the starks yeah it wasn't really clear uh i mean if you didn't pick up on the part about uh robert talking about the tartrashians still being alive (laughs) if you missed the part of uh robert and ned's conversation about the targaryens then you wouldn't know why it was important, uh, Danny's whole storyline or um, Viserys. But it was interesting to me that, you know, there were these two people who were um, trying so hard to gain the Iron Throne. And it looked like they were just two two people, two individuals, a brother and sister. And I was like, hmm, interesting. Yeah, another thing to... I reflecting back on this, I guess we see how vast this empire is and how many people there are in it. And even like the, the crazy continents, but kind of when we're first watching it and I, I draw a comparison really to Westeros being in this early ones, it seems a lot like it's like Britain, you know, we have England, we have Scotland, we kind of have these picturesque, you know, rolling hills. We kind of have this main king and we have these kind of outlying lords. That really reminds me of the history of Britain. (laughs) When you go further than that, you realize it's much, much bigger than the history would be, say, for like this country kind of thing. Um, But you don't really get the feeling of that kind of monstrosity of all this history and everything in the first little bit. Because you really do feel like it's mainly just these four or three kingdoms oh yeah but it's jam-packed and you don't realize how jam-packed it is with information i mean they talk about the rebellion yeah. they talk about liana they talk about robert they talk about john aaron they talk about the targaryens there is a lot of ground covered yeah and i think that's why initially i felt like mm, this might be too much for me i can't get it i don't know these names yeah. and it's not like these names are easy to remember no I mean, year to date, Corey and I are like, who? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <What> <laughs> Tongue tied. <laughs> um, One thing, too, that I just um, was thinking about that sounds pretty likely is, you know, Rob was born, like, right as uh, Ned was going to war with King Robert yep. and their besties. And I was kind of talking to Corey. I was like, do you think Rob was maybe named after Robert? I think so. Yeah, sounds great. I can't remember if it does or not. Um, another thing I was thinking because I've recently, I'm, I'm, I know I'm pathetic. We're doing podcasts about Game of Thrones. I love Game of Thrones, but for the life of me, every time I start reading the stupid books, I can't do it because I get interrupted and I have to start over again. It's just like the TV show. You have to just commit to it. So I've been doing audiobooks, and um, I'm now almost towards the end of the second book. Um, of George R. R. Martin's, but 
this first part really reminds me so much. Like it follows very closely. Al- it's very close. The pacing and everything is very, very close to the first book. Now there obviously are some changes, but um, it is really a pretty faithful creation. Um, it could not have happened anywhere besides HBO. So it's pretty great. Yeah. And I sure appreciate the um, cinematography, even in the early episodes. But it just gets better and better as they gain more Uh, and more money. A lot of this is like location cinematography at first that you're just like, oh, man, like these rolling hills. Like, oh, this is beautiful. But then we get like way better set design, way better costume design. It just gets so much better. Um, You know, another thing that was kind of interesting, I was just thinking about Winterfell is how much we see that Theon is kind of a P- POS, like oh, tries yeah, to stab that dog. For sure. <laughs> like, oh He's my like, God, oh, I you, forgot. Let me kill this puppy. <laughs> I don't know why we would ever thought he wouldn't be a POS. And then like, he's talking about how much, uh, how much sex that, uh, Jamie can get mm-hmm. being, you know, Jamie Lannister. Little does Theon know that he better get it all in while yeah, You better get in all you can um with that we hope you guys enjoyed it leave us some feedback on our website at to be perfectly there you can get our email and our links to our other episodes that we have done and other podcasts we do as always i'm Corey. i'm anel and be perfectly honest <laughs>